0: Thank uh. you. to The Big Interview. The Big Interview from the Customer Experience Foundation is our podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centres, the movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Katie Stabler. Katie has spent her career in customer facing and customer serving roles. And be- before she even heard of CX, she knew how deeply we could impact our customers' experience with the slightest friction or the most humble of gestures. She loves working with companies to help them see this, to feel this, and to support them to cultivate, cultivate customer experiences, which will drive loyalty, growth, and profitability, and of course, a happy and engaged workforce. Katie had worked with companies across the globe in a variety of sectors and is CX peer-accredited, and also co-authored the Amazon number one bestseller Customer Experience Two, and was recently named one of the top ten CX thought leaders of 2022. She is also a MasterChef UK quarter finalist. More about that later. Katie, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Oh,
1: thank you so much, Keith. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you very much. So, um, what, have you, what have you been working on? What's, this, what's the state of play? What's the state of the market? What have you been working on last? Uh, 12, 18 months or so, how's things
1: for Katie? All sorts, things are going really well, yeah. I mean, um, most recently I've been working with my accountant and we'll say less about that because I think accountants need a good lesson in customer experience. Um, But in the customer experience landscape, um, yeah, I've been really fortunate to be working with a variety of organizations. So um, B2B, IT, uh, telecommunications, housing, so great variety. and all kinds of different things. So everything from strategy design to more tactical improvements, lots and lots of training, lots of journey mapping. I love journey mapping. So um, all sorts and everything. Really, it's been great.
0: And talk to us a bit about journey mapping. Then let's pick up on that. That comes in for a bit of criticism uh, from some quarters about its relevance and its effectiveness. So give no. us give us the uh, give us the counterpoint of view. Tell us tell us how great it is and why we should be doing more. On. Oh
1: my gosh. I love journey mapping. I think, as a methodology, it is something every organization should be doing. And you know, yeah, it comes in so many different formats, you can do it in so many different ways. But what I like most about journey mapping is its simplicity of opening your eyes to the customer experience that you actually deliver, the reality. Versus the perception. Um, the amount of people or, or organizations that I take through very, very simple journey mapping, a re- retrospective journey mapping. So of an experience that their customer has actually been through, and they come out of that session going, I can't believe that actually happened. Um, because unfortunately, most of the time it's not not a great experience. There's a lot of friction points in there, but yeah it's just it's amazing when you put all of those singular interactions together to create that whole experience and to see what your customer actually does experience so i'd advocate it hugely to every organization
0: and thinking more broadly katie what makes a good cx program what are the what are the traits what are the hallmarks in a good cx program
1: I think it has to be widespread. I think that's the key to a good CX program. I think where I've seen organizations struggle with it the most is where it's been very siloed, You know, where it's sat in a little pocket outside of the organization where maybe there's one person or a very small team working on it. And it's struggling to integrate throughout the rest of the departments in the organization. So the, the program itself can be made up of, you know, all sorts, obviously, you know, voices of feedback, data insight and analytics, um, more tactical initiatives to work with the team to get people engaged, but ultimately. None of that works if it's sitting alone with some people just kind of struggling away in the background and it isn't working with the rest of the organisational strategy. So I think it has to infiltrate every single part of the organisation in order for a good framework to work.
0: And and how do we do that as a profession? What's your take on where CX is as a profession? We don't seem to have that traction at the top of organisations that HR managed to achieve 20, 30 years ago and marketing have achieved in the last 10 to 15 years. So talk to us about your thoughts on that and what what we do.
1: No, and I mean, how many years have we been talking about this now? And how many years did this conversation continue to come up at the kind of the the, the fight? Um, I, I think one of the reasons is because at the end of the day customer experience is such common sense and most organizations to some degree are talking about the customer so to try and kind of formalize it and put structure to it and to, to make it a thing a robust thing I think it feels very alien to people because it kind of is part and parcel of business already and I think one of the I suppose one of the things I think we need to do within organizations is almost to recognize that yes, we do care about the customer. Of course we do, everybody does. And yes, what we are doing is for the customer. But I suppose it's a bit like being a professional sports person. You know, you can be at the top of your game, you'll still have a coach because you're always trying to get better. And that's how I see customer experience. You know, you yes, you're always delivering a customer experience, but the reason you need a customer experience focus is because it stagnates, you need to continue to try and improve. And I don't think the conversation's pivoted in the right way. And I think we, you know, there's all, there's always this conversation around proving return on investment and customer experience, which of course I advocate for. But we don't, you know, we, we don't really talk about other areas of the business in such a way, um, you know, retu- returning the investment on HR initiatives. I mean, you do, of course you do, there's targets, but the, the prominence, the dominance of that conversation. Isn't there where it is always there with CX?
0: And is that because we as a profession have not demonstrated our value enough? Is it, you know, there's certainly still many organizations where they talk about CX and doing great customer service until it actually costs some money. How do we overcome that?
1: Maybe it's that whole correlation and causation thing, isn't it? You know, we, we all know with customer experience it can be hard to pinpoint the exact thing you did to improve the customer experience, which then drove um, an improvement, an enhancement, made a return on investment. So maybe that's um, maybe that's the tricky piece there.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And where do companies really get this wrong? Talk, we've all seen some horror stories. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Where does it go wrong? Where does it go badly wrong?
1: I do think it's with commitment. So I think a lot of organisations they may initially see the value they get excited you know it's the buzzword they they jump on the bandwagon um but you've got to stay committed to customer experience and it goes back to something I said a second ago around how it has to be very widespread across the organization so it can't just be one person who's committed to CX can't be one just one department one senior leader it has to be widespread so I think we're The the biggest and the ultimate problem that I see is when there is that failure of that commitment to be continually talking about it, to continually drive it, to continually be working progressively and allocating resource to it. Um, I I think without that, your customer experience strategy is just going to fail. You know, you can have people really working at ground level and really trying to push, but there's only so much pushing that you can do.
0: Does does this come down to culture of the organisation ultimately? Um, you know, like like you, I've I've certainly worked at many places, both as as an employee and as, as a consultant, where you know, well, customer service is something that Keith does, or customer service is something that happens when Keith comes in. I'm sure that's something that you've experienced too.
1: Definitely, I think you know c- culture plays a huge part. Um, and I've, I've, I can say probably hands down that aside from the charitable organisations I've worked for, which is a whole other conversation. Aside from those, I don't think I've actually worked for any organisation that has you know got to that holy grail of c- customer culture customer centricity it just hasn't happened and there's been people you know who are driving it who are ambitious who get it um there's been huge pockets of the organization that have but from a wider cultural perspective absolutely not um in fact one of my biggest challenges um that I face today, personally and on a business level was working for an organization that was primely placed to be excellent at customer experience they were pretty new Pretty small, so it wasn't like they had this, you know, huge black hole of data that we had to struggle to, to make something of. Um, they, were, they were they were perfectly placed to be customer data driven, but they the, the the senior leadership had their own agenda, and it you know I'd worked for that organisation for a year. Didn't matter how much I challenge and try to work with them and try to change the perspective and really pull in on that. The, that their agenda wasn't going to change they knew what they wanted to do and the customer piece didn't really come into it um so on a on a business level that was very difficult but also on a personal level to realize that you know my, my time had kind of come with the organization and I wasn't going to jump that we don't win yes. every battle as it were
0: no and I, and I suppose that's something that as a profession we need to be maybe slightly less evangelical about it sometimes Um, because, you know, not every organisation's got a perfect HR and people strategy. You know, I I know that that profession's still struggling with its place in the world. Not every organisation's got a perfect marketing strategy. So we shouldn't necessarily expect every organisation to have a perfect CX strategy either.
1: No, you're absolutely right. You're right. And I think it comes down to, you know, you as an individual, doesn't it? Because it depends what you are at work for. You know, it depends what, you're, what what's getting you up in the morning, what's pushing you through the day. And I think if ultimately you're not seeing that you're driving value, I mean, from a personal perspective, that's where that it kind of draws the line for me. If I'm getting up every morning, working, you know, eight, nine hours a day, and then getting to the end of it and thinking, what have, I, what have I really achieved today? Then that's the point for me where something isn't working in the organisation. And, you know, that's not that's not good for your employees and that's not that's not good for the company. Um, so I think when people, when organisations are considering their customer experience strategy, well, it's like any role, you know, you really need to consider as an organisation what you're trying to get out of it and then utilise your resources effectively. Don't just have someone kind of sat piddling around with a bit of data and trying to make something of it.
0: Yeah, I completely support that, Katie. Fantastic. Um, a topic that we've covered on the big interview quite extensively over the last well, over the last nine months or so is the state of the VOC market. Um, we've seen we've got a lot of big players in VOC, a lot of big money going on in the VOC uh, market, a lot of big transactions. But there's also a lot of survey fatigue going on. Um, amongst consumers at the moment, and some some fairly horrific stories of organisations getting that wrong. So, what's your take on that, and, and what's the future of that? Do you think? What's 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 Casey's view on all that?
1: Oh man, you see some great examples, don't you? Shared on LinkedIn of absolutely poorly timed customer experience feedback surveys. Um, do you know? I kind of hate the that term "survey fatigue" because. I don't know. Is it is it a thing? Really? Are people bothered about getting a survey? Okay. What's, 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 what's wrong with
0: that? Is it a thing? Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know. Like, I think you, you, you get a survey request, don't you? You either you fill it in or you don't. Does it does it bother you? Does it irritate you if you get one and you're not going to fill it in? Maybe if it is badly timed. I think both myself and, and you saw a great example of um, an airline survey, which really shouldn't have been sent because I don't think the person actually. Posted. Yeah. Posted. <laughs> um, so I think. You know, I, I don't know if survey fatigue is a thing, and I think without surveys, obviously we're at a disadvantage. You know, there's yes, there's things like conversational analytics we're getting you know way more prominent in the industry, and I'm a huge fan of what that can do for us in the in the customer experience world but i think you know if we're not asking our customers how they feel we're losing on two levels one the potential insight that we can get whether they fill it in or they don't but also two, the fact that we're showing that they care you know that visible we're showing we're asking um with regards to what's out there you know yeah there's there's no end of of great technology and organizations that are offering that support what i'm seeing is actually the, the other end of it is organizations not still not utilizing it properly you know paying an awful lot of money for huge expensive platforms to, to get feedback and insight but it's misdirected um uh, you know I've got an organization at the moment where actually there is a reasonable amount of feedback being collected but to what avail you know I'm, I'm constantly asking the question w- what insight is this actually giving us what's it actually telling us how does this actually help and I think that's where the, maybe the problem lies in VOC. Still, it's not the ability to get it, but still the ability to to use it.
0: Yes, it's, it's very much what we do with it, isn't it? And is that something that, as an industry, we still need to develop the skills? Do we not have enough people knowing what to do with that?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely skills. I, I, I agree. I think you know, there's there's not enough um, kind of people who are analytically. Well positioned to be able to pull that data, you know, take the numbers and making something exciting and usable. But I also think it's organizational understanding. I still think it's that wider education in the business about what this can do. And I, I ultimately believe that that won't change until you can proof in the pudding, as it were, until you can actually you know, pull the data, turn it into insight, create some action on the back of it, and then go back with a bit of a closed loop on, right, this is actually the benefit that you're getting from that. Um, but that's a difficult journey. As easy as it sounds, it's a difficult journey to get to. And I think until that starts to happen, organisations aren't going to take that seriously. Will we ever get there?
0: Where do you think CX is going to be in five years?
1: I don't think it'll be in much of a different place, I'm honest. I'm totally honest, I don't think it'll be that different.
0: That's quite disappointing, isn't it? Pardon? That's so, quite disappointing, isn't
1: it? I know, I know. I just think we've, you know, we, we keep having these same conversations. And I think, you know, yes. I think there's going to be continued focus I think yes there's going to be continued growth of course there's going to be development but I still think we're going to be having these continual conversations because our customers are evolving and we're constantly having to catch up and if we're constantly having to catch up with our customers but also in developing the engagement and buy-in in the organization there's a hell of a lot of work that needs to be done and you know that's that's challenging at the best of times uh, but I also think that our consumers are changing hugely and I, I think it's maybe a little bit of a slow backward burn but I think we're going to see it rise quite quickly so you know the what are we on gen gen z's and gen z alpha maybe right now um you know, they are, they're buying more sustainably, they're buying more ethically, they're buying from smaller companies, they're buying from local companies. And that's one thing, but what all of these smaller niche, more sustainable, more local companies do is also provide an amazing customer experience because they can, because they're small, because they have a a small customer demographic you can focus particularly on. They have this magic, which I think a lot of, The organisations, the big players that are around today don't have. They do customer experience well. You know, like the Amazon, the Zappos and the Apple, all the people that we talk about all the time that do great customer experience. That's not going to change. But I think we're going to have to start competing with a new breed of business, which are these people who have gone right back to basics and really do care about their customers a hell of a lot because, well, they're they're their bread and butter. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I, I will completely agree with that. Um, think more personally, Katie, how did you get started in customer service in CX? Talk us about your journey through the industry. How did you get to where you are today? Uh,
1: so, I, actually, I, I think I've got a very interesting story about coming into CX. Um, like most people, started uh, in customer service. For any um, British or English listeners, um, I worked in Woolworths on the front desk. Paul Woolworth's not around anymore, um, boots. But then, my first um, real job out of uni, I went into the charitable sector. So, working for a disability organization, then for a finance organization. And I, although they were never customer experience titled roles, um, and I don't even think customer experience title existed in any of those organizations. You don't get a company which is more customer-centric than a charity because that's the absolute sole reason that they're there is to support their their end users their customers um so i think you know very naturally that was kind of trained in me it's very much within my day-to-day role and then i i moved into my first formal cx role with an actual cx title when I moved from a, a debt charity supporting people with debts into the debt collection industry, chasing people for debts, so very much um, gamekeeper turned poacher, and that was an amazing amazing opportunity because it was an organization where, of course, debt collection, you don't associate customer experience and debt collection. Um, When I first went to that organization, they still called their customers debtors. So it, it tells you a lot about the kind of culture that was. Um, and it was yeah. a huge challenge to change the way that they worked. But I was very fortunate to work for an amazing customer experience director. Um, to be within a leadership team who wanted to be the people in that industry to change the landscape. And you know, what what better way to practice customer experience than in an organization where, if a person has a bad customer experience, it can ruin their day, their week, their month. I mean, it can make their life hell where if they have a great customer experience, it can take the weight of the world off their shoulders. You know, they've been waiting for a month to pick up the phone, to pick up the courage, and then they do, and they speak to an agent who is just amazing and helpful and lovely and gets it. So, um, yeah, I had quite an interesting uh, transition into the world of customer experience.
0: Fantastic. And what would you say uh, you're most proud of in your career? What would be your biggest achievements?
1: (sighs) Do you know, it's the small things. It's when you get a recommendation from a client to another client and, you know, you've done a good job, so much so, that they're willing to bet their reputation on it and put you forward for someone else. They're the things that make me proud. Um, I I would also say, you know, going back to the organisation, the debt collection company, it was an amazing achievement to support the change in that landscape. And, and it really did. You know, it was um, it was a movement and it still is a movement. There's still a lot to go in that particular sector, but we were right at the forefront and I'm very proud to be part of that.
0: Fantastic. Uh, and what's perhaps uh, the biggest issue you've ever had to overcome? Or has it got a bit challenging?
1: Do you know what? Probably that ex- example I gave you earlier, um, when I had to make that realisation that no matter... know, what my efforts were, no matter what work I was doing in that organisation, actually, that organisation in particular just wasn't going to move forward in that way. Um, They, you know, they they, they ultimately were the people who wanted a customer experience director, um, but it was championed by a particular person, hired me. I came into the organisation about six months in, they left. Uh, and then the, I suppose, the excitement and the buzz—it was just very hard to maintain. And I think that that is the most difficult thing. I think you know when you are when you're solo, kind of championing a particular cause, and you don't really have the support and backup. Um, you know, as much as we want to professionally succeed and meet our objectives and our goals and doing what we set out for, that I think there comes a time actually when you you have to know when it's time to call it a day. And at that organisation for me it just wasn't ready. Um, wasn't great for me to have to leave on, on that particular foot. I would much rather have had more achievements under my belt with that. But I think that, that that is something, it's a realism. You know, we don't always all go into jobs that work out exactly as we hoped. But it's not an easy pill to swallow.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I'm with you on that one. We've uh, all, all had a couple of jobs like that, I'm sure. And um, what or who, you have sort of touched on that, what, what or who would you say have been the biggest influences on your life and career?
1: Career-wise, yeah, I mean, when I, um, actually, t- I've got two particular senior leaders who stand out, one, one when I was at the Debt Charity and one when I was at the Debt Collection Agency, who are just, you know, they, they're truly led by example. Um, but I've been very fortunate to work with some amazing people. Like, I'm working at a B2B IT company right now, and it's a it's a very old company with a lot of long-standing values and traditions, Um and the particular people that I'm working with at the moment are renegades in the industry. They're, they are disruptors. They work so differently, so innovatively, so creatively, so fluidly, so autonomously that, as all, all of those, you know, I'm very proud to work with everybody in that team. And they, I suppose, they make me excited to work with them every day because of the ways in which they work. So I think I've got a lot of influences Um yeah, there are probably too many to name. Actually,
0: that's super. So, uh, as you know, Katie, we always like to ask our guests to uh, reflect and help those coming up through the industry today. So, if you can go back to being maybe twenty-five or thirty again. What advice would you give to your younger self?
1: To be confident in engaging differently. So I, you know, I, like many people, came through quite hierarchical organisations and with a very linear structure of the career ladder, you know, go to a job, maybe try and work your way up, then maybe move on, and yada, 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 the cycle continues. It wasn't until really that I moved into the world of consultancy that you, you actually see things very differently. And that kind of linear structure is very different. And the way in which you engage stakeholders and see that hierarchy, it, it's... It's not as it's not as black and white as maybe when you're you know coming out of school or uni, you're led to believe. And I suppose things are quite different now. But I think what I'd say to myself is that in customer experience in particular, engagement is so important. You need to get that buy in and the way in which you do that doesn't have to be with stats and numbers yeah that helps but be creative you know customer experience is such an amazingly diverse industry I particularly love the psychology of customer experience the psychology of communication in customer experience and there's lots that you can do to really grab people's attention and engage um, than the ways that you might originally think to do so so be creative be confident be passionate and really work to engage people
0: Fantastic, and uh, we touched on it right at the start. Tell us all about your master chef
1: experience. <laughs> Man, I can talk I'm about saying, this all day. Hey, uh, I am um, I, I, personally, I absolutely love cooking. I'm obsessed. Um, I've got this really weird quirk where I don't ever cook the same thing twice. So, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So don't get me wrong; There's the odd thing, you know, I can make cook some fajitas, burritos now and again, but pretty much it's like six, seven nights a week, something I've never made before. I'm just crazy um but anyway that got me just one night came across master application decided "Hey, i'll do that and then that's it happened yeah lots of um phone interviews video interviews Got into the the competition. It was just absolutely brilliant. Um, I got to the quarterfinals. I got booted out the day before my 30th birthday, which was pretty gutting because oh. <laughs> my uh, my husband had arranged to take us down to um, Tom Carriage's restaurant uh, in Bray and we were going to meet him. And I was so heartbroken and disillusioned with <laughs> cooking. I was like, I can't, I can't meet it, oh, no. <laughs> but um, you know, despite all that, I wouldn't change a thing. It was just an amazing experience. It was, uh, yeah, character building, a lot of fun. I'd do it all again, even if it played out exactly the same way.
0: Amazing, uh, Katie. It's been fascinating having you with us today. I hope our listeners have found this as insightful as I have. You can find out lots more about the Customer Experience Foundation at cxfo.org. We thank you for joining us at the Customer Experience Foundation today and we hope you can join us next time on The Big Interview.